When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. It is Monday. It is Labor Day. So if you have the day off, as I do, I hope you have a lovely one and it's all nice out. Um, This is an interview I did with Alice Feeney. I am so excited. I was so excited to talk to her. I'm so excited for y'all to listen to this interview. I love Alice Feeney. We have talked about her thrillers many, many times on the podcast because they're so good and they're all dark and twisty and turny. And um, her latest one, Rock, Paper, Scissors, is about a married couple who um, go away on an anniversary trip and all is not as it seems. So uh, yeah, Um, if you want to get a hold, I was going to say us, it's still us. Adam is still here for the next week, but if you want to get a hold of the podcast, um, you can find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. You can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com, and of course, our website is ProfessionalBookNerds.com. I think that's everything. So, um, yeah, I hope you all enjoy this interview I did with Alice Feeney on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jill, and my guest today is New York Times bestselling author Alice Feeney. Her debut novel, Sometimes I Lie, was an international bestseller, and I can confirm that an advanced copy of it was passed around like mad here at the Overdrive offices. Um, Alice was a BBC journalist for 15 years, and several of her books are currently being adapted for the screen, including her latest book, Rock, Paper, Scissors, which is why she is on. Alice, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat to you. Can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to Rock, Paper, Scissors? Yes, I can. Um, Rock, Paper, Scissors is my latest dark and twisty thriller. And this one is about a couple who've basically forgotten what made them fall in love. Um, Things have been very wrong with Mr. and Mrs. Wright for, for quite a long time. And when Adam and Amelia win a weekend away to Scotland, they both think it might be just what their marriage needs. He's a self-confessed workaholic and screenwriter, and he's lived with a condition called face blindness his whole life, which means that he can't recognise friends or family or even his wife. She works for Batty Dog's home in London, and she thinks trying to save the world is far more important than trying to rule it. And every anniversary, the couple basically exchange traditional gifts, sometimes paper or cotton, pottery, maybe tin. And each year, Adam's wife writes him a letter that she never lets him read. Until now, they both know this weekend is either going to make or break their marriage. But Adam and Amelia didn't randomly win this trip. One of them is lying and someone doesn't want them to leave or to live happily ever after. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, dun, dun, dun. I mean, I've read the book and even I'm like, oh man, that sounds so crazy. And um, it is. Um, but I, <laughs> <laughs> so 
actually first kind of want to start with Adam's space blindness because um, I'm sort of wondering like what was the inspiration to have a character have face blindness? So I came across somebody with this condition a few years ago and I just became a little bit obsessed with it because I think I'm the opposite. I tend to always remember a face. It doesn't matter whether it's someone who I might have bought a loaf of bread from two years ago in the bakery. I just remember these things. So the idea to me of not being able to recognize people, not just casual acquaintances, but even your wife to walk into a restaurant and not be able to recognize your partner. I just found that absolutely fascinating. And then my dark and slightly twisty imagination ran away with it and plotted a little thriller inside my head. And the result was rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering, and obviously we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Um, but when it does come to your books like this, um, you know, you said you came across face blindness and then you sort of like had this idea for the book. Do you kind of, when it comes to your books, do you know kind of where the end is before you start or are you kind of surprised along the way? Yes, I'm I'm definitely a planner. I have to know exactly what's going to happen with the entire story before I write a word of it. Um, so I tend to write in my garden shed and if you could see it, it looks like the, the lair of a crazy lady. <laughs> um, there are just notes stuck everywhere, different colored cards, scribbles all over the place. And that's me plotting out the whole book. And there are different colored cards for different characters or different timelines. And I like to be able to see the whole story just by staring at the wall um, before I begin. And then I can see exactly where I'm going. And for me, to start without knowing where I was going I guess I'd be scared the whole time of getting lost if that makes Mm. sense Mm -hmm. rather than just enjoying the journey and of course you know you you take little diversions en route and you might spot a little creepy chapel somewhere and think (laughs) you know what I'm going to go off route for this little bit here but then come back but I always end up at the same planned destination which is what helps me to sort of leave all all those little clues and breadcrumbs behind hopefully for readers to find. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, you know, as, as you said, you have some dark and twisty things that happen in your books. And this one in particular, like, there were definitely things I thought I was picking up and was sort of right, but also not at all. And as a reader, and and I'll say this, I've said this on the podcast, not to you, but I will tell you that one of the reasons your book, the Sometimes I Lie, was so popular at our offices was because we have a lot of suspense and thriller writers, uh, readers, and we're really good at guessing and seeing things coming. And your books always just completely blindside us. And we're just like, have no idea what is coming. But well, that has made my day. Thank you. That's a but, <laughs> yeah. no it's it's true though like I like I just remember like we the way we passed around sometimes I lie like you it was just your debut like nobody you know and um because everyone's like you're never gonna guess where it goes and you don't but if you go back and read them there are those clues that are there and it's just like masterful work 
on your behalf as a writer to be able to do all of that, to like have those clues there and still surprise people. Oh my goodness, I'm so flattered. Thank you. That, <laughs> that really does mean that means a huge amount to me. And I, I think it's so important. The book has to be fair. If you're going right. to write books like these, it's got to be fair to the reader because I love reading these books too. And I, I want to know that I had a chance to guess. Mm-hmm. I want to know that the clues were there all along. And um, so, you know, that that means a huge amount. I'm, I'm really, really happy to hear you say that. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Yeah, I liked the way you you said you want to think that you have a, a, a chance at sort of guessing. And I, and I, and I, again, like I, and that for me, like as a reader, that's part of like, it's like a game almost um, with any of these types of books. But exactly. It's, it's like a puzzle that you do, but also don't want to solve right. at the same time. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, it's so much fun though. Cause you're sort of like, is this, what is, is this a clue? Is this, what's going on here? I think this is a clue, but I'm not sure if this is a clue. Do I have to remember this? Is it going to come back? It's so much fun. <laughs> um, and yours in particular, they're just so twisty, but you do have these characters and uh, it's also good. And I loved this one, just like all of the others. Thank you. Um, so the, the face blindness, this is obviously not a surprise for anybody. You know, you're aware of this from Adam at the very beginning. Um, did you like, you mentioned that you had come across somebody who had this did you do did you talk to anybody with it as part of your research to sort of understand what that's like I did a lot of research and I I was absolutely sure I discovered this condition which hardly anybody had heard about and was very original and I'm always so scared when I hit send still because I basically don't talk about the books with anyone at all until I've completely finished them so I write three drafts and then I'll send the book off to my agent. And until that point, nobody knows anything about it. They don't know the Mm. title, the subject, nothing. So imagine my surprise having hit send when I found out that one of my agents actually has face blindness and that my editor in America um, has lived with face blindness her whole life. And, And I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know this. It was like this huge, crazy coincidence. Everyone thinking, did she know? Is that why she's written this? And no, I, I swear I didn't know. But my goodness, I was so firstly surprised. But secondly, so grateful because everyone was able to help me make it as authentic as possible. Imagine having your editor know about the condition that you're writing about. So it was fantastic. She could tell me the things that worked and the things that could work better. And she had some stories of her own, um, which we threw into the mix. So so I hope, I genuinely hand on heart hope that it feels authentic to the reader because it it really should do with all the um, the input that, that's gone into it from people who really, really do know what living with face blindness is like. That's... That is quite a coincidence, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, especially if they don't know and they just you're like, here's my latest. They're like, great. And then they start reading. I know. And it's um I I, I have a, a wonderful editor in in America, and uh sometimes I read her notes and I, I think, can she see inside my head? Um <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, so I, I hope nobody thought I could see inside theirs because it was it genuinely was a surprise when I when I found out. Um, I have to keep thinking about the books I'm writing next and who, who might think what when I hand those ones in. But uh, <laughs> but now we won't worry too much about that. We'll just concentrate on this one. Yeah, just concentrate on this one. <laughs> one one at a time. One at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm always, you know, sort of when it comes to suspense and thriller books, um, I'm always just, you know, it's always curious to me, like how people come up with the, their ideas and, and sort of, you know, in this case, it was just like face blindness, but like, how do you get from that to sort of the rest of the story, obviously without spoiling anything, but you know, it takes me such a long time. I basically think about the books for a really long time before I commit to writing them. Um, I guess because books take a really long time to write. So I want to be sure and I want to know the characters really well and be sure that I want to spend that level of time with them being inside their head and sometimes letting them inside mine mm-hmm. um, and um, this book I remember I'll never forget the, the spark for this book so it was it was 2018 and we were heading up to Scotland um, for, uh, for some time away and I am completely in love with the Scottish Highlands I think it's the most beautiful place on earth and there was a terrible snowstorm and we really shouldn't have made the journey, but I really wanted to get away and I was desperate to go. So we drove up through the snow and nobody else was on the roads the further we got up into the Scottish Highlands because it was just so dangerous. And then we arrived at this property and this bit might sound familiar to you. <laughs> uh, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was next to a lock. Uh, it was in this vast valley with nothing but mountains and a few sheep. The property was in complete darkness. It was very cold. We finally got inside and there was no power and the whole place felt a little bit creepy, but we were really tired. And when we looked outside, the car was already looking a little bit snowed in and we thought, okay, we'll make the most of it tonight. We'll get some rest. We'll figure out what to do tomorrow. It's going to be fine. And then just as we were about to go to sleep that night, I heard a noise and I looked up and I saw a face in the window and I was terrified. And this moment of absolute terror was the spark that which then became rock paper scissors and in real life it turned out just to be a really very kind and friendly caretaker who was so worried about us making this crazy journey that he drove to the property to make sure we were okay but the the fear that he caused mm-hmm. and the terror in that moment sparked the idea um which I then thought on for a really long time it would have been at least a year and a half two years before I started writing but by then the whole story was in my head and as you know my crazy shed with all the cards were all in place and I was was ready to begin um so yeah I do tend to think for a long time and often it'll be the characters that come first um and I sometimes fall in love with the twist quite early and then I think on the twist for a really long time too oh see that probably explains why your twists just seem so like because you've thought so much about them I've obsessed about that makes sense that makes sense yeah that makes sense and it's funny because I was going to ask if you know the place where they're they stay and this is is based on a real place and it sounds like a lot of that was (laughs) yeah no it it totally is I've I've sort of there's a lot of fictional bits that have worked their way in it definitely wasn't as creepy as uh as the Blackwater Chapel in the book because then I really wouldn't have got out the car Uh, (laughs) I, I I'd have walked away if I had to run even um, but but yeah so um it's it's funny because my mother-in-law the book's just come out in the UK my mother-in-law is reading the book and sending these text messages <laughs> um, 
saying, so hang on, it's about a couple who go to Scotland and me and my husband often go to Scotland. They have a black Labrador. We have a black Labrador. And she's reading this going, is everything okay with your marriage? <laughs> is my son okay? And I have to send these reassuring messages back going, it's just fiction, I promise. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only problem with writing about slightly problematic marriages. Everybody starts to wonder it. Are you okay? <laughs> That's what I keep getting at the moment. <laughs> That is true. That is sort of like a recurring theme through some of your books is, is problematic marriages. <laughs> I know. What does it all mean? Or if you sit down and talk about this with someone, they'd probably have a field day, but uh, we're just going <laughs> stick to with it, stick with the line. It's fiction. We're fine. <laughs> it's I mean, it, maybe in some ways that actually speaks to the strength of your marriage. You're like, it's so good. I have to manufacture drama in my books, you know? Thank- Thank goodness I do have a happy marriage because my husband is always my first reader. So can you imagine what it's like for him reading these <laughs> books? You know, what what did I do? What is I remember when he read Sometimes I Lie. So this was the first time I'd written anything like this. And he just kept looking up from he'd read a few pages and then look up at me and say, What is this? Um, what have you written? And I remember that night he was sort of jokingly, I think, saying maybe he should sleep in the spare room. So um, yeah. it's, uh, it can definitely be, uh, can definitely make life interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I I imagine, I imagine. Um, yeah. And, you know, something I also like about your books is that they often sort of have like multiple, you know, like with this one, there's sort of like multiple timelines, but you have like the letter side of mm-hmm talking about what has happened in the past year and then you have like go back and forth to where they are now when they're at the um the chapel staying there and I I imagine your big note keeping and plotting helps a lot with keeping those timelines uh straight so to speak yeah definitely and I, I think I always and I've always felt like this I always think that people become the people they are for a reason um when whenever you meet a baddie, if you like, whether it's in a novel or watching a TV show or just on the train, I always sit there and think, why is this person like this? It didn't happen by accident. What happened Mm. in their past that made them become this way, behave this way, think this way, speak this way? Um, So I think I guess I always do tend to explore that in the books. I, I want to know why is this character the person that they have become and I want the reader to share that journey and to also understand and to sometimes question our own judgment of other people because there is always a reason why people say and do the things that they do yes yes I I I think what I like about this conversation is just like learning about how much you think about these things not to say that other writers don't of course but just your whole like I think about these things for like a year before I start writing and (laughs) I'm like, Oh, you really understand these characters and like this book and like what is happening. And that's just fascinating to me as, as a reader. I think when I write the first draft is, is when I'm at my worst because I tend to just disappear Mm. inside the book. And um, I remember with, with this book, I was walking up the road with my dog and one of my friends drove past and she said that she drove past one way and she yelled at me out of the window. And then she went around the little mini roundabout and she <laughs> drove back the other way and she hooted her horn and she said, I didn't even blink. Mm. And it's because I was writing a first draft. I was so inside the book, just walking the dog, but in my own little world in my head, I yeah. didn't even 
notice that someone was yelling my name or, or hooting their horn. So no, I, I do tend to think about the books for a, a really long time, but also during that first draft, I do sometimes disappear a little bit inside them. <laughs> uh, so what is your writing process like? Do you write every day? Um, how does that all work? Mm, first first draft is normally the really intense bit for me. I just get so excited, I think, because I've been plotting and thinking and doing my strange little colored cards in this shed <laughs> for so long. It's so exciting to finally sit down and, you know, start, start typing away on the, the laptop and seeing the words appear on the screen. I still find that first bit crazy exciting. Um, so, yeah, I tend to disappear for that bit. And that normally takes me about three months to have a first draft that I'm happy with and sometimes at that stage I'll then share it with my agent sometimes I might do another draft I find that books are a little bit like children in that way they all sort of behave in different ways or misbehave in different ways <laughs> and so it, it takes a little while for for me to feel things out and to be happy to share it and I always want it to be the best it can possibly be before anyone else reads it actually because you only get that first reader reaction once so, um, so yeah, they've all taken different length of time to write and then I send it off and my agent will read it and then he'll send it to my publishers and they'll read it. And then editing, I still tend to work uh, most days when I'm editing and then going through that phase, but it's, it's less intense. I mean, when, in, when it's the first draft, I've been known to get up at 3am before and just plow on through till I can't stay awake anymore. But um, so, so yeah, it all kind of varies, but I'm I'm in my shed a lot, but then I'm happiest <laughs> in my shed. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, if you've been plotting and you've spent all this time thinking about, you know, this book and these, like the characters, like, how do you know when you're ready to start writing? Oh, you just know. It's a really okay. weird thing. It's really hard to explain. It's almost like they, they let you know, they, they decide like now we're ready to go. And they, um, it's, it's almost like, yeah, I just want to say that I hear voices in my head because that makes me sound completely crazy. But it's almost like you, you, you know when you're ready and you know when you know them well enough. And they mm. will let you know, now is the time to write my story. And, um, and then I just try and do it justice. And for those first few months, it, you do have this very, or I do have a very close relationship with the characters. So they, they almost feel like family. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's a little bit sad when you hit send because they're not yours anymore that's the point where you know you're going to share them with other people and share them with readers which is brilliant and I love hearing from readers and I love hearing and, and seeing what they think of the books but that first bit that's the intimate bit where it's just me and the characters on our own doing our thing um I'm wondering if you know as you're writing if you well, first, like what kind of books do you like to read? But also, do you read this type of book while you're writing? Or do you find that sort of um, maybe messes up your process a little bit? Yeah, I, I read a lot and I read all genres. And I know that some authors don't read while they're writing or they don't read certain genres. But I don't really, um, I don't read, I don't really, I just read normally all the way through. <laughs> Actually, I've always been a bit of a bookworm. I can't imagine not reading. Um, it made me really sad, just the, the thought of it. Um, I tend to read whatever I fancy reading. So it's not just mm. this genre. I do read probably more um, crime thriller books than any other genre, but I do tend to read a little bit of everything, whatever takes my fancy, really. I, I'm so glad that I can finally go to bookshops again and, and potter about because 
Uh, for me, there's nothing quite like that. I, I, I love obviously getting book recommendations online or from friends or from other people in publishing or from other authors. But for me, there's nothing like just going to a, a bookstore and browsing yourself and picking up a book that you've never heard of, sniffing the pages, giving good sniff, mm-hmm. and just choosing something because your heart wants to read that story. I, I, I'm so happy that I'm allowed to do that again, um, finally a little bit. So no, I read all genres and um, I'll dip in and out of current things and I'll sometimes go back to a little bit of Agatha Christie because that always makes me really happy and she's just so clever and so um so yeah so I, I'd read a lot it's quite a variety of books on my bookshelf. Uh, I'm glad you you mentioned Christie because this book in particular reminds me a lot of of Agatha Christie books it's that sort of like locked room mystery where um you know these these two characters are at this like there's they're snowed in um at this uh weekend place and um you know I'm imagining that some of this was was written and and edited obviously during the pandemic and when you're also probably not snowed in necessarily but like locked in and I'm wondering if um that feeling of experiencing being that like those that close quarters where you can't go anywhere if if that um translated onto the page and the experience that that the couple was having yeah no it, it, it totally did it's um I, f- I feel as though there's this permanent sense of fear and anxiety in this book and when we recorded the audiobook quite quite recently actually um I was genuinely scared because I you know you, as an author you, you you move on you know you're working on the next book and it'd been a few months where I've had nothing to do with rock paper scissors and then I was listening to the narrator's reading and I was like this is really terrifying what was going on in my life when I was writing this oh the pandemic oh that explains everything (laughs) of course they're they're trapped and they can't get away from each other and they're scared and there's all this stuff going on that no one quite understands and it's a permanent sense of anxiety so that all made um that all made sense I've been um I've been incredibly lucky uh with with all of the books but I'm also incredibly lucky with this one that the Netflix are making an adaptation of of the book which is just it's just so crazy exciting for me and uh but that that was something they picked up on that was something they said they could tell that the book had been written during the pandemic and it had this feeling to it and it had this vibe to it so I I think you can always you know authors we don't want to put ourselves into book and into books and you, you, you certainly the kind of books and the characters that I write I don't want to recognize myself too often in there but no I I can definitely see and hear and feel what was going on in my life um while I was writing this book yes I'm very excited for the um adaptation I'm looking forward to it so are you it's like just, involved at all in a, a, that? Li- a little a little bit a little bit it was um with this with n- with all of the books I've never really sat there writing them imagining them as tv shows I remember with sometimes I lie I had a, a phone call with Sarah Michelle Geller, and I I remember my agent saying Sarah Michelle Geller wants to have a, a phone call and I thought isn't that Buffy I was so kind of overwhelmed by this this just seemed so kind of far-fetched and crazy to me and she was just so lovely on the phone and I almost felt like I was trying to talk her out of it because I thought how can you do the twist on screen mm-hmm. and but this was the only book where I, I did as I was writing I thought this could work on screen and I guess maybe I was 
because of the pandemic, I was watching a lot of Netflix and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if Netflix made this book into a TV show? So when I got the email from my agent, I was so tired. I was working on another deadline for another project and I thought I was hallucinating. I just thought this can't be real, can it? And so I closed my laptop and I, I took my dog for a walk, which is what I always do when I think I'm losing my marbles. And then my friends drive past and hoot their car horns and I don't hear them because I have lost my marble. <laughs> And, uh, and then I got home and the email was still there. So, oh, I'm thrilled to bits. And I had a, a Zoom meeting with the uh, producers because this was quite a long time ago, the initial, the initial news that, that we were going to be lucky enough to have this one adapted for, for Netflix. And the Zoom call was fantastic. And they, I'm so excited because it's going to be set where it's set in my head. And I love all of the things they're going to do for it. And I love their casting ideas and... I love that I'll be able just to go along and see a little bit of filming and it's very, very thrilling. And I've spoken to the screenwriter who just understands what I was trying to do with this book and the story I wanted to tell. So I really can't wait to see them come to life on screen. See, look at that. You like manifested Netflix adapting this book. I know. Isn't that, isn't that just crazy bonkers with them? Sometimes I lie, I remember one of the first newspaper reviews, they got the name of the character and my name mixed up. So the main character in Sometimes I Lie was called Amber Reynolds, and she's in a coma. But the newspaper review said, Alice Feeney is in a coma. And for weeks, I thought, am I? Have I just invented this whole having an agent, being published thing? Because it took me a really long time to get published. So, uh, so no, um. Maybe none of this is real. I could still be in my coma and I'm having a lovely imaginary chat with you. No, I'm sure you're real. It's all good. It's all brilliant. <laughs> I've just been very, very lucky. Yes. Uh, well, I have loved talking um, to you. Um, I just have one question left, which is okay. what do you hope readers take away from rock, paper, scissors? I really hope that um, if readers are kind enough to pick up a copy of rock, paper, scissors, it's basically me inviting them to take a roller coaster ride with me. There are going to be some twists. There are going to be some ter- turns. I'm probably going to turn the story upside down a few times um, and make you feel a little bit disorientated and perhaps a little bit scared. But by the time we get to the end of the journey together, I just hope we've all had a good time and that they've enjoyed the ride and enjoyed the read. Perfect. Alice, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's been really lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.